Wayne Duvenage, the uh, head of the organization Undoing Tax Abuse, it's good to chat to you at the Business Conference. You've given a very riveting state capture summary, and I was interested in the last portion mm. um, where you were asked about private prosecutions. Yeah. A lot of pressure is being put on the National Prosecuting Authority. Mm. Uh, Andrea Johnson has just come in. Uh, Hermian Cronier is leaving us. Shamila Batoy is under the hammer. Mm. When are we going to see significant politicians and those with political influence in orange overalls? It just isn't happening fast enough. Yeah. The notion of private prosecutions, it could be a dangerous proposition because everybody can be privately prosecuted. Yeah. Is that what you were getting at? Yes. Um, <clears throat> the notion and the idea is good, but only if it's in the right hands. Uh, private prosecutions can then be bought by anyone. And uh, just think about uh, it is going to be the people with money because court cases are very costly. Uh, and think of who has money. And a lot of corrupt people have money and they will keep innocent people tied up in very expensive lawsuits and court cases if they're allowed to bring private prosecutions. So that's the one uh, area. It has to be granted to you by the NPA and only on the basis that they don't believe there's a credible case. They can't grant private prosecutions because they're too busy. So they've got to apply their minds. And I think that law is strong and it's the right way to have it. And we shouldn't try and tamper with that and allow allow private prosecutions to be uh, uh, um, become uh, willy-nilly and available for everybody. Well, you, I, I think it was either yourself or it was, it was Helen Ziller who made the point that the capacity of the National Prosecuting Authority has been decimated yeah. to the point where certain junior prosecutors mm. are unable to write up indictments. Yeah. And there's so much pressure on them and the dots are there, but joining the dots is the problem. And y what you spoke about today was if in Kosozana Glumini Zuma, if David Mabuza had sided with NDZ mm. in Nazarek 2017, there may never have been, or not in its current form that yeah. it's unfolding at least, this sort of Zondo commission and, and its findings. Yeah. How, how close did we come to that precipice? Very close, very close. And, you know, if, if Jacob Zuma didn't uh, do the deal with the devil, so to speak, because the last person you do want to rule this country is the, is the uh, Deputy President, David Mabuza. Uh, but I guess this is what politics is all about. There's an agenda there. And, uh, you know, Cyril's probably the best of a bad bunch. Doesn't make him right or the best president uh, that we should have for this country. But just imagine... Uh, if, if in Kosozana Dlamini Zuma was in power with her ex-husband in the background, uh, still pulling the strings, um, no real robust leadership uh, that would have changed uh, this Zondo process that would have put the NPA into a space, even though it's not working as fast as it should, but it is going in the right direction, uh, we would be would be failed state by now. You know, I remember the Guptas... Uh, handing over a check of several hundred thousand rand to Nkosazana Glumini Zuma. I can't give you the exact year, but they had voted her, and, and this was the Gupta Media Enterprise, had voted her the South African of the year. Mm. <laughs> Maybe they knew something we didn't back then, that they were already allowing, uh, laying the groundwork for, for when Madam NDZ became president. Yeah. But interestingly, they also named Tulimaran Sela 
uh, South African of the Year in, in previous years. Mm. So, yes. Well, they had to because they had to be seen to be doing things that, uh, you know, was not one-sided. I wanted to ask about the inception of the opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance. Mm. You have reinvented <coughs> yourselves as the organization undoing tax abuse. Are you looking forward to a day when you can close your doors? Because well, essentially, yes. essentially <coughs> you exist because of bad governance. Of bad yeah. governance. Yeah. Yeah. Are you hoping you can work your way out of a job? Yeah. If I would wish for nothing more that we never had to exist because government is being run properly. So we don't do this because um, because we uh, wanted to set up a new business. This is not a venture. This is a necessity. And this is an organization filled with passionate people, activists, by the way, specialists, uh, professionals, um, that, uh, that, that, that believe in the same thing. We've got to do this work. I would want to be in the corporate world. I would want to. There's no, there's no um, shareholding for me in a non-profit company. Uh, there's no wealth building here. This is about um, doing work that has to be done and to build a team who feel the same way. Uh, so, yeah, the, you know, if we didn't exist, I'd be happy for the right reasons. The 2024 general election, mm. it's Helen Ziller's belief that the ANC will drop below 50%, and then it is a question of who they decide to partner with. Yeah. Whether, and she's under the impression that the decision will be between an EFF left-leaning mm-hmm. uh, coalition partner and the, the Democratic um, or the, the Democratic alliance on the right, so mm-hmm. to speak, centre-right. Um, are you looking forward to 2024 and all the shenanigans that could bring? Because the ANC is still going to be the majority partner in this country. Helen Zillis says their predictions are they drop below 50%. What do you see playing out in 2024? Yeah, I, I think they will drop below 20, uh, 50%. Um, and here's the nub, though. If we can get more people to the voting polls, um, they will drop even further. And that's where she talks about 45% and maybe even less. Uh, what you saw in the last local elections was that all, uh, of all the people that were could have voted, in other words, if, if people just registered as well, less than 40%, uh, around about 40%, I think 43% of people voted, that could have voted if they'd have gone and registered. And, and I think it's a bit higher, only 60% uh, of registered voters voted. I mean, that's a sad situation. And, and what's also interesting about that is that you'd expect that well, as the voter turnout dropped because of this less choice, the EFF's portion would have grown because as populists and their party base is going to, they're going to try and get them out to vote, and they never grew. So they also lost supporters. So, uh, uh, so I think what we're seeing is quite exciting, especially in look at Joburg, <coughs> look at Ikarileni, look what nearly happened in Etiqueni, where... Um, <laughs> The DA rules, and they and the ANC has forty five percent or more. They've got the largest; uh, 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 they are the majority in those, but not over fifty percent. So, how is it that the DA is running cities where the ANC has a higher uh, election result? And it's because of these coalitions. Very interesting space, and you could find that a 45% ANC in the next elections with a DA leader. Think about it. That's what's happening in, 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 in some of these big cities because they get enough support from, 
from, from, from, from all the other parties. And it really is going to be interesting. What we need to do is get as much people to vote and to start seeing uh, what their options are. This notion that, well, nothing really appeals to me, so I shouldn't vote, oh, I'm not going to vote, is the sad one. What you need to start doing, uh, the public, is voting strategically. And I think art is going to play, although we, we've got to stay out of politics, but we've got to change this country at the same time, is to get people to realise that, you know, we fought hard for this democracy. To not vote is a sin. It's wrong, and even if the choices aren't there, vote strategically. Vote for the least bad option. Mm. That's it. And whether it's one of the smaller parties or not, just vote, because if everybody voted, then you get the true picture of what we want. And, and, and I think what we can, we can hear when uh, Helen Zilla was saying this morning is that um, I think more and more people are starting to realise uh, that we've got to fix this country because we've got too much to lose. Speaking of bad options or the least bad option, I want to, to end off this interview with what on earth is going on with ETOLs you had for Kilo and Balula. If, if I had a rant for every time that they said they were going to make an announcement, a mm. final announcement or pronouncement about ETOLs, we could have paid off ETOLing by now yeah. and paid off all the costs of the infrastructure. Do we have a definitive answer on what's going on? Look, they've come to the realisation now, um, or some time ago, that they can't do anything about enforcement. They know that. Um, and it would, be, it would be suicide to do so. So if you can't enforce a policy and your, and your buy-in rate or your compliance rate is, is on a user-pay scheme is sitting at 15%, 85% of people not paying, then um, it's a lost cause policy. It's a lost cause uh, 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 system that, that, that they've got or scheme. And we just cannot understand why they haven't made the decision. Now, the decision is not just to say, oh, we, we're going to stop e-tailing. You have to undo and go back and change the law which declared the Karting Freeway roads as tolled roads. You need to undo that. So you got, And that's not difficult to do. Something just keeps telling me in the back of my head, well, obviously the 50 to 60 million rand that is coming through still instead of the 300 million that they're wanting means something to somebody. The ANC is making money out of this somehow, some way. Otherwise, with the amount of opposition to it, it would have been dismantled a long time ago. So are you saying that something keeps nagging, tugging yeah. at you to say the ANC somebody is somehow making money out of this. In the decision-making space, uh, smell the rat. It smells, it stinks. We have asked questions in the past. We've picked up contracts that were signed before the scheme started. 10 million rand uh, went into into spaces which they can't explain. Uh, they haven't come back. Uh, Sanral don't want to explain what these monies were paid for. And the big telling thing for us was the contract, the ETC contract, was tendered, and Nazir Ali in his presentations told Gauteng uh, government that they got that contract at 6.4 billion rand for the five-year period. Lo and behold, we get the copy of the contract and signed at 9.8 billion rand. And so you can see, well, why do people get a contract that's X a massive percentage higher than what was that you told us it was one at? That's corruption. There's no other explanation for that. That is outright corruption, and and what was in their favour was ETC, uh, Cups Trafficom, the main shareholder, the major shareholder is an Austrian base, it's overseas. So what better way to get money out of the country than to do it through the ETOL scheme? 
Wayne, thank you for the work that you and Arta do, and uh, thanks for your insights today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you.